Good morning, everyone. I just want to begin this morning by saying thank you to everyone who's been praying for my uh, grandson, Maxwell. Uh, Maxwell is doing great. Uh, my entire family, we're just so thankful that all of you uh, have been out there praying for him. Um, he was in the hospital for a few days after he was born um, with some respiratory issues, and, uh, and you all came to prayer, and, uh, and man, did God answer. Um, within 24 hours, Matt, um, my grandson was doing better. Um, now he's out of the hospital. He's doing great. So God is so good. Just thank you so much for all the prayers. Now, speaking of children, have you ever asked a child what they want to be when they grow up? Children will often respond to that question with the funniest answers. Um, I looked up a few of those answers online, and here are some that I found when, they were, when children were asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? One said, I want to be a dog because dogs are the best. <laughs> Another one said, I want to be Spider-Man. I wonder if they asked my three-year-old grandson Jackson that question. I'm sure he would have said, I want to be Spider-Man. Another one said, this is a funny one, this one said, I want to be a ninja chef. Ninja chef? Hmm. He said, so I can cook yummy food and beat up bad guys. Another one said, I want to be Dora and explore the whole world. The parents of little ones will get that one. And this one I really loved from a little girl. She said, I want to be a fire girl, not a fireman, because girls are better at putting out fires and boys only start fires. Oh, this, one is the, this one's even better. This one says, I want to be eight. I'm only five now. <laughs> now, these were only a few. There are so many other funny answers that I found online, but time is short and we need, to, we need to move on. Parents and teachers will often ask children that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's an important question to ask a child, even though the child will probably give you a funny answer to that question. Because through a question like that, we are teaching the child to think about their future, to think about what they can, they, they're going to do in their future so they can learn and they can mature to live a successful life. But it's also a biblical question that God asks all followers of Jesus Christ, regardless of their age. The Bible has a lot to say about growing up in spiritual maturity. As we ask a child, God is asking the Christian, who will you be when you grow up? Now, God is not asking what you will do when you grow up. You see, there's a difference. God created us to be human beings, not human doings. Now, what I mean by that is if we're not careful, we can spend a lot of time trying to figure out what God wants us to do instead of focusing on who God wants us to be and become. In Scripture, God, for instance, calls his followers of Jesus Christ, to become and be his treasured people, to be, become and be his loving people, to become and be his obedient people, and to become and be his holy people as Jesus is holy. Now we're still going through the book of 1 Peter in this sermon series. Today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2 where the Apostle Peter writes to Christians about growing up. 
Now, Peter, again, is not teaching, get this across so I can get this across to you, is not teaching Christians to think about what they are to do when they grow up. He's instructing the Christian, again, how to be so they can grow up. Let's read this call about growing up from Peter, taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Peter writes, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave spirit, pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord Excuse me, is good. Now, for you good moms out there, by the way, happy Mother's Day to all you moms. Uh, for you, all you moms out there, do you remember the first time that you fed your newborn baby? Some mothers breastfeed, others feed their newborn babies with uh, baby formula. In either case, a good mother understands that her baby needs to be fed baby milk or formula to keep the child content and healthy. I was watching my daughter, Anna, feed her new, my new grants on her new son, uh, Maxwell, the other day ago. When I first met my grandson, Maxwell, he was very quiet and he was very content. But then he got hungry. And that little peaceful, content newborn baby left the whole building that my daughter lives and know that he had a need and his good mother jumped up to that need now although newborns can be a handful sometimes they're really not all that complicated at this point in their life a newborn basically has three needs they need to be fed they need to be changed and of course they need to be loved upon a newborn baby relies completely on their mother and father to supply those needs so they can thrive and survive. As long as the good parents of a newborn are there to take care of their needs, the newborn baby is content and will grow. <coughs> now what a newborn baby doesn't realize yet is that the milk their mother is giving them is helping that child grow up to grow up into a strong and healthy child. They don't understand that yet, but their mother understands that. Now see, what Peter is doing in here is he's comparing what a newborn baby needs from its good mother to grow up to what a Christian needs from their good father in heaven to grow up. Just as a newborn baby craves his mother's milk or formula, a Christian should always be craving the spiritual milk that God provides for the Christian to grow up. Now, what is this spiritual milk referred to by Peter that helps the Christians grow up? When I first believed in Jesus Christ and came into a relationship with him and was born again, I really didn't know much about Jesus other than that he saved me and loved me and and in his grace and his forgiveness. But I didn't, also didn't know much about the Bible for that matter. I just knew of Jesus' love. 
Now, I also understood that I was saved, and I was just as much loved by God as any other Christian would be, even those Christians who were a lot more spiritually mature than I was in my faith. I had a basic understanding that my standing with God as a child of God was no different than any other Christian, even if I was just a newborn baby Christian. But you see, even at that time, there was something that I craved as a new believer. I craved to know Jesus more. I craved to know his word more so I could have his word in my heart. And because I had this craving, I would be in his word, the Bible, constantly. I attended any Bible study I had the opportunity to attend. And I couldn't wait for Sunday morning to hear the pastor speak from God's word. You see, I just wanted to suck it all up, bring it all in, bring it into my heart. I craved God's word. I desperately needed his word in my life. Why? So I could get, be content as a new Christian and grow into spiritual maturity. Now, in these same verses, Peter begins by instructing the Christian to get rid of all the garbage in their life. He uses examples like deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Now that's not an easy thing to do. It's not as easy as we may think. Like a newborn baby, we really can't do much of that on our own when it comes to sin. But we do need to be fed. Let's just take one of these examples that Peter gives. We'll take hypocrisy, for example. <coughs> Now, non-believers are very quick to call out the hypocrisy in a Christian. But the fact is, all people are hypocrites in some form or another, regardless if they are a Christian or not. Because we are all sinners who are by default hypocritical in some way. In this world, people are constantly pointing their finger at some other person's sin or some other person's shortcoming without any clue that they have that same sin and shortcoming in their own life. But for a newborn baby Christian, they should already know better. If they have been truly born again as a Christian, the Holy Spirit has been given to their life to come into their life. And he's going to call out the hypocrisy that remains in the Christian's life. But for the Christian, it is through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which then prompts the Christian to crave the spiritual milk provided through God's word to deal with something like hypocrisy in their life. Or maybe it's envy or maybe whatever the sin may be that you're struggling with. This is what Peter's speaking about here. The spiritual milk that we crave. Conviction is like a newborn baby's stomach that starts feeling uncomfortable when they are hungry. And that pain of hunger will only grow stronger until that baby is fed milk from its mother. Now, if the Christian ignores the pain of conviction of sin in their life, they are eventually going to spiritually starve to death, just like a baby would if its mother never fed it milk. For sin, whatever sin that may be, it will eventually consume the Christian. 
unless that Christian is continually fed from God's word. That's what Peter is trying to instruct the Christian about in these verses. What Peter is really saying here, to sum it all up, he's saying, be fed and grow up. Now, I don't want to come across as being critical or judgmental, so please don't take it that way. But throughout the years of my ministry, I have come across many people who have excitedly gave their life to Jesus, were born again after hearing the good news of God's grace, forgiveness, and his love. In that moment of their salvation, they just knew that they were forgiven and saved and loved. But sadly, for many, it ended there. They hardly came to church, if at all. When you spoke to them about the Bible, they didn't seem to have much interest. When you asked them about what God has been doing in their life, it was as if God didn't even exist to them any longer. You see, people, Christianity is not a passive faith. Christians need to be fed as they're going out and doing the work that God calls them to do. But they still need to be continually fed. For those who call themselves Christians but refuse to be fed, it's as if they wanted the gift of salvation, the promise of heaven, but not the promise of God in their life. And sadly, I always knew when I came across a Christian like that, that it was just a matter of time before they were right back to their old way of life of emptiness. But then you also have those Christians who seem to be on that roller coaster. They are either way up or they're way down. There's no level ground for them. When they are feeling empty, they will crave the spiritual milk again. They will start coming back to church. They may read their Bible a little bit. And then when they feel full again, they will leave. Not just leave the church, they'll leave God behind. Going back to the old ways of the world that caused the emptiness they felt inside to begin with. But then when they feel themselves starving again, they'll come back to God's word and back to the church to be fed once again. Their life is a roller coaster. And what these people don't realize is how cruel they are being to themselves. Think how cruel it would be if someone did that to a newborn baby, only fed the baby when it was starving. Now, I know that sounds harsh, but I also know that's what God has really wanted me to get across to you today in this message so we can understand how cruel it is to live this way, especially when Jesus provided everything we need to grow up healthy, strong, in peace, and to become the people he wants us to be. Now, one other example, missionaries who help the poor in third world countries know this all too well. When a child is starving to death, they know that they can't feed the child a steak dinner or even cereal for that matter. Their little stomachs can no longer handle or process the food any longer. And sadly, that child is dying. 
in order to save that child. The missionaries and the medical experts, they know they need to slowly start feeding that child food again, but consistently feeding that child food again in little bits at a time in hope that the child's stomach will heal and their health will recover. And the key to that is consistency. Consistently feeding that child to get it healthy again. You see, it works the same way with our spiritual health. You can't be on the roller coaster. Now, sure, you will have times of highs and times of lows in your life where sometimes it may feel like you're on a roller coaster. But those highs and those lows is not the consistent pattern of a born-again believer. Living consistently, level and steady, in their walk with Jesus is the life of a born-again believer. So when those highs do come, the Christian's way, the Christian can celebrate together with the church body. But when those lows come, and they will come, the Christian can be sure they'll never starve to death because the Christian is consistently being fed by God's word. Now, a newborn baby is eventually going to graduate from only feeding upon its mother's milk or baby formula to eating solid foods. Now, the baby still needs the nutrients the milk provides, but they need even more food than just milk for their bodies to grow. They need solid food. The Apostle Peter was teaching us the importance of the spiritual milk to help us grow up spiritually. But the Apostle Paul takes it even a step further to teach the Christian how to become fully mature in the Lord. It's like moving from a newborn to a toddler to a teen to a fully mature, healthy adult. Or put it this way, it's like graduating from milk to baby food to cereal to a steak dinner. We are gonna leave 1 Peter just for a moment to hear what the Apostle Paul says about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 through 3, Paul writes to Christians, I gave you milk. Remember the milk, Peter was talking about that. Paul, Paul is saying, I gave you some of God's word. I gave you a starting point of God's word. But then he says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it yet. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? Man, I was sort of a dig on men in my <laughs> way I'm looking at it. But he can say, are you not acting like mere babies? Parents of teenagers may get this next point very well. How many of you parents had to tell your teenager to stop acting like a big baby. Sometimes my wife tells me that. Stop acting like a big baby. This is what the Apostle Paul is doing here with the Corinthian Christians. He is writing to these Christians, I gave you what you needed to start growing up. But now you need to take it further. I gave you milk, but now you need some meat. How many of you parents remember the first time you fed your child baby food? My kids love the jarred fruit baby food, the fruit in the jars. And I remember the first time that fruit hit their lips. You can see on their little faces, what is that? 
Give me some more. And then there was the baby food my kids didn't like so much. Anybody remember giving their baby that meat-based gross stuff in the jar that's all smushed up? It looked bad. It smelled bad. It tasted gross. Trust me, I tasted it. Yuck. And when my kids were babies, they didn't really care much for it at first. As a matter of fact, sometimes they would spit it out. If they could talk, I'm sure they would have said, what are you doing to me, Dad? That isn't fruit. Give me that fruit. But as parents, we know our child needs more than just fruit to grow. They need to start having meat or at least vegetables in their diet. And by the way, the vegetables don't taste or smell or look any better in those baby food jars. But we know the vegetables will, and meat will help our child grow healthier and stronger. The Apostle Paul is attempting to get these Christians to move beyond the basic necessities of the Christian life. The Christians that Paul was writing to did not lack eagerness or hunger for God's word. What they lacked was perseverance. And they needed to go deeper into God's word to learn this. They needed to get into the heavier stuff of God's word. The stuff that went against almost everything they knew about the world that they lived in. As I spoke in last week's message, these Christians needed their minds to be transformed into the mind of Jesus. So that the world would no longer influence how they thought or how they acted. In a way, both Peter and Paul are speaking of the same thing. Whether that be with milk or meat, it all comes by the means of being fed by God's word to transform the way we think and transform the way we live. A newborn Christian is not going to think necessarily the same way at first as a spiritually mature Christian thinks, and that's okay. But a newborn Christian better not be staying in the same place. Can you imagine if an infant never grew up? Now, I know there are some adults, adults out there who act like infants sometimes. They never seem to grow up. Now, that comment was not meant to be harsh, but it's what the Apostle Paul is writing to these Christians in Corinth about. Stop acting like babies. Grow up. But how does this work? Let me give you some practical steps, some practical advice on just that. And I'm not just going to tell you just go read your Bible. Although reading the Bible is the essential piece of this. For you new Christians or even for any new or any unbelievers out there who are seeking after God, let me suggest first this is what you need to do to first receive that spiritual milk is get to know who Jesus is before going into anything deeper in God's word. Get to know Jesus. A good place to start in your Bible is in the four Gospels. The four Gospels are the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The Gospels are just the record of Jesus' life on earth. 
They teach who he is, who, why he was sent to us, how he loved, how he acted, how he behaved, and why he chose to die for you. They're just from different perspectives, but they're all truth about who Jesus is. And the more you read them, the more you'll get to know who Jesus is. You can start reading any gospel out of the New Testament that you want. I would suggest starting in the book of Matthew, then go to Mark, Luke, John, and then read those gospels all over again and read them again and again and again while asking the Holy Spirit to help you get to know Jesus more and more. Now, you may not see your life change much at first. Give it time. Pray to God while reading. Pray for understanding. Pray that Jesus will begin to transform the way you think, to transform the way you act, so the way he acted and the way he thought. God will always answer that kind of prayer. Then I would suggest moving on to the epistle letters. Most of these letters <coughs> were written by the apostles to the church. We're in one in this series, 1 Peter. In most of these letters, you're going to be start being fed the meat. That meat is going to teach you how to get off that roller coaster and how to live in peace and how to live in joy and most important, how to persevere in this world as you go out to build the kingdom of Christ in this world and especially in your heart. The Holy Spirit will then give you the means to move from being a newborn to a toddler to a teen to a spiritually mature adult. I would suggest, if you want a suggestion for me on what epistle letter to start at, I would suggest the book of Romans. Start there. That book will get, will, you'll spend plenty of time in that book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, asking God to help you figure out what he's trying to teach you through that. Start there. Then you can go to books like 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Peter, the book of Timothy, and so on. But it doesn't stop there. Now think about this. If you ate the tastiest, biggest steak dinner that you ever had, would you just stop eating again after that, saying, I'm full, don't ever need to eat again? No, of course not. You don't, it doesn't work that way with your hunger. You see, with God's word, it's the same thing. You may be full for a moment, but you're going to keep coming back to it day after day after day because God is going to start taking you deeper in his word. You're going to want to start studying the Old Testament and even a trickier book like the book of Revelation, which speaks about the second coming of Jesus Christ to this world. Really, the point of all this is God's word is there for us. Jesus didn't leave us alone to deal with this world on our own. Our Father in heaven will never leave one of his children to fend for themselves. No good parent would ever do that. Now I can tell you from my own testimony, I'm not the same person that I was 20 years ago. I'm not even the same person I was five years ago. Do I think I'm fully spiritually mature? In Christ, no, but I'm growing in maturity. I could never have gotten through some of the heartbreaks in my life without God's word, 
in my heart. I'm so thankful for his word. His word is active and his word is living. And it never stops teaching and leading the believer to become more like Jesus. I can tell you that I know people who have walked with Jesus a lot longer than I have. And they will still tell you that God is, God's word is still teaching them. And still growing them through his word. You see, there are plenty of voices out there trying to teach you something. Some of those voices are good, but most are not. Let's be people of God's word. To grow us to the people that God wants us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I pray for those out there that are seeking you. We know, Lord, as they seek you, they will find you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you would lead them through your Holy Spirit to your word, that you would give them understanding of who you are. And I pray for the Christians out there, Lord, that are struggling, maybe on the roller coaster of life, that they need to get off that roller coaster. Lord, I just pray through your Holy Spirit you would convict them to get back into your word, to get back into your churches. Even though we can't meet here in the church right now, Lord, there's plenty of sermons from other pastors online that they can listen to. There's plenty of devotions online that they can read. And, of course, there's plenty of Bibles all over the world they can read. Father, I pray for your church. I pray that soon we can all get back together and gather again. Um, we know we're meant to be a people of community. Lord, I pray after that does happen, Lord, that you would just bring more people to your church. Because, Lord, even though we know it's the spiritual milk is all through your word, Lord, that it takes the body to help us grow in spiritual maturity as we read your word together. Lord, would you lead people Lord, we pray for a revival. We pray for people's hearts to be changed, to seek you out through your church, through other Christians. Help us be those kind of people, Lord, to build your kingdom here. In Jesus' name.